Hello, this is Shoshana Pupko with the Ava Torah Serious Simcha Recording 4. We talked last about toxic positivity, and I encouraged you to think about what thoughts and feelings arise when you reflect on this concept, and I sat and did the same. I thought about my nature of being a realist, and whether in a world fixated on feeling good, my perspective just brings people down and detracts from their desire to feel happy. And I sat for a while just pondering that. And to be perfectly honest, it wasn't the most comfortable space to sit in. But if there's one thing I've learned through lots of therapy, it's that growth happens in precisely those spaces, the uncomfortable ones. And as I grappled within myself, I remembered something I learned a while back, which is that being perpetually positive isn't the same thing as being hopeful are optimistic. I'm going to say that one more time. Being perpetually positive isn't the same thing as being hopeful or optimistic. Hope and optimism are qualities which are deeply grounded in reality. And when they're the appropriate ways to feel, they're very much a part of a realist perspective. Toxic positivity, on the other hand, is grounding is grounded in wanting and needing to feel good no matter the reality. So why do we go there? Why do we intelligent people lean towards feelings that are not grounded in reality? Sometimes it's because we believe often subconsciously that if we avoid the painful stuff, it won't affect us and eventually will go away. Other times, we're scared that we may not be able to recover if we allow ourselves to feel the heaviness and pain of the more challenging and complex emotions like deep sadness and grief. For many people, resorting to toxic positivity is a result of social conditioning. We hear it all over. Keeping your chin up and being positive is the better, healthier way to respond to hardship. And as a realist, if I want to be intellectually honest with myself, I have to ask whether it really is such a bad thing to consciously adopt a perpetually happy approach to life. Granted, it may be somewhat delusional, but if at the end of the day I'm happier, then who cares? Why shouldn't I go this route? Assuming I can, which is something else we're going to talk about. Here's the problem. Being perpetually happy comes with side effects, pretty significant ones, and I'll share those with you next time. But I'd like to pause here for a moment and be transparent with you about what's coming up for me as I'm recording this. I find myself feeling somewhat anxious and uncomfortable as I wonder if some of you are thinking, isn't this supposed to be a series on happiness? When do we get to that? I wonder if some people will stop listening, realizing that this isn't a straightforward series on the top 10 ways to be happy. And there's a piece of me that wants to cater to the desire to just feel good. And that desire tells me to just run through this part of our study in one or two recordings as quickly as possible. But then there are other voices, ones that are the result of learning from the real experts on the pursuit of happiness, 
combined with some pretty tough life experiences. And those voices remind me that the last thing I want to do is cultivate the near enemy of happiness. Cultivate an approach that ignores that to acquire anything of value, there are no shortcuts, no possibilities of bypassing the stuff that makes us think twice and question our assumptions no matter how long we've had them. And it's this process, which can at times feel burdensome, that creates the rock-solid foundation upon which we will build authentic happiness.